to meet me backstage. This is the podcast that celebrates the talented and inspiring people who work behind the scenes in the music industry all around the world. Meet the backstage stars who make the magic happen before the beat drops. Meet me backstage. Hey there, Nikki here. Welcome to Meet Me Backstage. So in this week's episode, I'm going to delve into the world of creatives. And that is a word that comes up a lot these days. But what does it actually mean? And what kind of jobs do people do as a creative in the music industry? When I first started out, I thought it was jobs in marketing and advertising. But as I've progressed in my career, I've learned that you can use your creativity in many more areas of the industry, especially with the growth of festivals, which often have colourful and eye-catching stage designs, on-site art installations, brand activations, games and activities. They're a feast for the senses. And all of that is even before we mention the growth of digital. So in this episode, I've invited a creative consultant I work with at Secret Solstice Festival to join me to delve into what it takes to be a creative in today's music industry and where they get their inspiration to keep on top of their game. So please welcome Kalechi Amadi. Thanks for joining me today. Now, we worked together on a festival called Secret Solstice, and I should have uh, been partying with you in Iceland recently. So that's kind of sad. So how have you adapted to this situation? Um, well, yeah, it's been very um, crazy and interesting, but we are lucky enough to have been able to get creative um, and work on smaller capacity, high impact interactions, which is what we're focusing on right now, which I think everyone else is trying to do. So what does that actually entail? Kind of smaller live events, uh, not just digital. So um, obviously working in Iceland is a different scenario. We're able to have live events. So we're looking now at focusing on supporting community, supporting talent, being creative in how people will um, hopefully view music and arts and culture as a sustainable tourism for the future. Oh, that sounds really interesting. So I guess as a creative, it's just a new challenge where you just use your skills to apply them for a different situation. Yeah, that's the good thing about being a creative. You have to think fast on your feet and seize opportunities when they come and be smart about how you connect them. So as much as this has been like a trying time, I think for everyone, you have to use what you have in your hands, use what you've been given and support each other is more kind of it's more important now than I think it has been for quite a while to address issues and kind of bring things to the forefront while we can. And I guess also you have new opportunities to be creative in different ways. So that opens new doors as well. Yeah, you have to be a lot, you have to think a lot smarter. Um, You have to, uh, it also broadens your scope of who you want to work with. It's giving people a chance, weirdly enough, um, which you think would be the contrary. But it's definitely giving people a chance. People are being a lot bolder. They're like, they've got nothing to lose. So you're definitely stepping outside of your comfort zone. And I think that is something that has to happen, has to to develop in order to break down barriers which people face and have had to face for a very long time. Oh, that's good. So you're really getting stuck in. Um, Now, when I work with you at the Festival Secret Solstice, you cover so many different aspects there, you know, marketing, you oversee the photography, you're working with brand partnerships with all the activations. So how did you end up working on all those different things? And how do you cope with the workload and manage all of that? 
Oh, okay. Um, the workload isn't easy, but it's actually a funny story. I'm obsessed with um, I'm obsessed with knowledge and learning. Firstly, I think you never stop learning, you never stop growing. And I think not to be like a jack of all trades, master of none idea. I think there's a kind of broad mind thinking, a bit, bit more of a broadened thinking or thought process to how um, these different types of things connect. So I can think I can write copy, I can do all of these stuff, but I can also think creatively about visuals. And I just thought to myself, why limit yourself when you're able to do that and connect those things together? Because we, we, the industry can be siloed and we're, we're taught that developers don't, the tech people don't connect with the people that are pushing it out creatively. And that's not true. We have such interesting conversations together and I've had interesting conversations with these people. So that's kind of how... I ended up working in all these aspects where if you get the chance to sit down with someone in marketing for five minutes or 15 minutes a day, take it. If you get the chance to sit down with someone who's a booker for 15 minutes a day, take it. Because the things you learn, the skills you transfer between each other are just invaluable. That's a really great way of looking at things because then you understand each other's roles and then how you can work together better to create a better project or a better result. Yeah, 100%. I think that's part of it. Like these things are all interconnected. And that's what this has taught me as well. I, I, in the beginning, I was very much kind of, oh, I don't know if I should apply this or should do this. And then I realized that the things that I've learned throughout my career, the, the way that I've said yes to certain things, yes to opportunities, has just showed me that it's the way I think that I'm able to apply these things. It's the way I look at stuff, the way I approach things, even more so not more so than my skills, but they build upon my skills. They teach me that being able to analyze something is, isn't just analyzing something. It's applicable to so many other aspects of the industry. And if, if you're not a creative, like you, you're, you're, you have to be tenacious. That's one thing. So, yeah. I think the inclusion and learning about all the different aspects is what's kind of made working at Secret Solstice kind of exciting for me too, because when we're having the meetings, you're bouncing ideas off everyone in different departments and you get a real idea for what's going on in the festival in a whole, which I think really works. Yeah, when you're that small as well, and you even when you're big, you have to know what people are doing. You have to know because that one little spark can just connect everyone. And like, I, I love when we, even whether it's WhatsApp or by calling or whatever it is, like we have these soundboards and we're also like, well, all of a sudden like, oh, oh, we can do this. Oh, we can do that. And that doesn't happen without taking that time to interact with other people and giving each other the space to kind of critically analyze your thought process together. Well, there's definitely some good tips there then. So definitely communication and interacting with your team. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Love this learning. Um, anyway, I was going to talk about some of the brand work you do, because obviously that can be quite challenging and finding a balance when a brand wants to promote themselves at your festival or events you're working on, but also to do it in a way that kind of does engage the audience. Um, so how do you find a balance to make that work? Um, honestly, that can be the hard thing it's it's the simplest yet hardest thing at the same time because you pick a brand because you see some form of synergy but there's also um the direction that they want to go in as well and the fact that you have your own objectives and I think uh it's a really long conversation 
but I've realized being direct with what you ex- you want from them, but also giving them the space to drop their ideas into that, that whole thought of like making someone think that the idea is theirs, um, does come into play sometimes with this. And like, it's difficult because we have things like influencers to think about. We have things like uh, what they expect in return, how much visibility, all of this stuff has to be kind of correctly balanced. And a lot of the time it's, um, connecting with the brand to allow them to give you the trust to understand what you're trying to translate and being very clear as to what, what that is and not overcomplicating it. I think there's a simplification in saying, hey, we can create a really cool experiential together that might just be setting up a space or doing something. But if you're really impactful as to what that meaning is and what the connection and point of it is, it speaks more volumes than trying to do something that is going to be completely out of scope and completely not to limit your ambitions, but just have a clear directive in the end. And I think you'll find a connection to a brand, be culturally relevant and be purposeful. And I think you create, you create a good partnership in the end and a long-term partnership in the end. Well, you're always working with a lot of different brands at the festival, so your approach definitely must work. Um, you mentioned talking to your team and bouncing ideas off. So where else do you get your ideas from to be creative? You know, how, you know what inspires you, you know, personally and also in the workplace? Um, I, I get it from quite a broad place. I mean, I have a lot of magazines behind me right now. I have a lot of books below my feet and there'll be everything from medical books to political books. And then it's basically, uh, they give me history. History gives me perspective and current experience gives me current experience and then interacting and just sitting down with other people. Like I say, the developers, all of this stuff, all of these things inspire a creative thought process because it's like a clash of influence and taking all those ideas and thinking how that's how people get information. They're constantly having a stream of information and having that historical kind of um, route with all the books and the magazines and the references or the films really helps me tie that into something. So um, read books, speak to people, like pick up something you, even if it's someone who's reading something interesting or saying something interesting, have a five second conversation because being curious is definitely a big inspiration to how I work. I love the way you look at things outside of music as well, something you wouldn't think of to get kind of inspiration. That's kind of really interesting. Oh yeah, that's the best part. Like I like other musical influences obviously inspire me, but I have to think of how they relate to me. And I remember, um, it, it sounds so silly, but I used to love like uh, car manuals and things like that. And uh, when I look at it now, it's inspired so much as to how I put stuff together, like this weird, almost technical, yet visually beautiful collection of ideas that shouldn't think of how I create, want to look at music or how I view all this stuff, but really it does. It's like this technicality that needs to have that information and have that grounding, but can have such creativity in its application when you think of how a car comes out or the result of it. And all these things just make me think that like I can get information and I can get learning from so many other places than just flicking through other people's inspirations and flicking through other people's stuff. Like sometimes the things I don't know inform me the best. 
So it's a complete mishmash. I'm just imagining this in your head now, a complete mishmash of like technical, logic, psychology, music, uh, fashion. Yeah, it, this is a funny thing. It really is. Like my mind's a mess <laughs> when I say that was a, um, as a partial compliment to myself um, because if I didn't have this kind of cabinet or this, this library that I'm forming in my head, however chaotic it is, um, I remember those references. I remember those sentences. I remember those connections of dots. And I, that, whether that sounds chaotic to other people, I'm able to create logic in that. And that undefined logic is how I can be Kelechi. And I think, yeah, there's definitely a value for me in that. Now, that's really great to have an insight into the mind's eye of Kelechi. I'm loving that. <laughs> Next time I see you, I'm going to be thinking about this when I, when I look at you. So if I look at you with a funny expression, that will be why. <laughs> yeah, it's probably because I have a funny expression. And I was like, what the hell is she thinking? I'll be, like, <laughs> I, I, I'll be like, I know what's going on in her brain now. Hmm. <laughs> she's, she's thinking about the Victorian age d- d- dissection. So for some reason it worked. Yeah, that, that probably is what I'm doing. So that's, that's, the, that's the saddest part. <laughs> it oh. is. Okay, then. So, um, you, I mean, I've worked with you most on kind of events and festivals. So um, what is it you love most about working with those? And what kind of other projects do you work on during the year? So obviously, I work on the festivals. I work a lot on kind of like curating events um, and experiences for people, um, a massive amount of consultancy. It tends to be based around a similar theme, uh, where it's either bringing stuff together for people or helping to execute uh, projects. Uh, so that might be, I've done things with like helping people curate a festival they wanted to start with a very clear initiative. I did that with Axel Alvazato and Samson, where they had a concept or an idea, but needed to kind of bring it together. Um, and the reason that I like working with things like this is because you do get an end-to-end, you get to get hands-on, you get to kind of... Um, not always the greatest dynamic with people because that that is part of it as well when people have such kind of ideas or big ideas and ambitions but you definitely get to think have to think on your feet you have to use all of your skill set and that's what I really enjoy about things like festivals or about um, events especially with very experiential or people heavy Um, you have to think about the user you have to think about the brand you have to think about the experience it's all encompassing and it really gives you not just an attention to detail but an oversight and an overview that I think sometimes you're either one or the other um and it forces you to be more adaptable and more agile so and it's just they're fun and exciting and I get to have fun (laughs) as well <laughs> Everyone loves backstage. <laughs> it was a whole lot of, but yeah, no, you just you, you get to meet interesting people and you see them at other places and it's just it's you build a community around yourself essentially. So you mentioned a lot about working on events there and festivals. So what was your first job in the music industry? How did you get started in all of that? How did I get started in the music? Funnily <laughs> Funnily enough, this is so unrelated. I actually did a music video. Uh, a really long time ago and I ended up I've always been really close to musicians 
um, as in my friends have been musicians or I used to write a lot as well and play a lot of instruments. So I was always really intrigued by music and there was a strong connection with fashion and music. So I ended up working with a lot of artists within the fashion kind of focus of it. And then I started moving more and more into the producing of things where musicians were involved. And then all of a sudden it was kind of working with these musicians on very particular musical events. And then just started working at festivals in more of partnership areas. So not quite the nitty gritty of it. And then it just it just carried on evolving. Like I was always pulling music into everything that I was doing or there was just so much crossover. And then it became clearer and clearer as, as well as I got deeper and deeper with Secret Sources, et cetera, that maybe I was a bit more involved in the music side than I thought. So it definitely started from like a creative aspect. So the content, um, the imagery, and then that just kind of evolved for me from past experiences because I did a lot of marketing with tech and fashion and then I just ended up bringing them all together into one genre I guess which has ended up being music who knew <laughs> a mixture of everything life, you enjoy yeah spend all your life studying art and 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 fashion and everything else and then you just realize your skills are completely transferable to they're, they're just so connected that just is unreal so it was a lot more seamless than I thought. And you realise that people function the same as well. The, the chaotic behind the scenes that happens in fashion, a thousand percent happens in music. The kind of clicks or categories or whatever that you have, exactly the same in fashion as in music. And if not more rife. So it was uh, less of a shock to the system than people would think. And just as little money as well, which is great. <laughs> so, you know, keep Excellent. it going. Excellent. But the job's fun. That's, the, that's what counts. <laughs> yeah. The, the job is fun. It's fun. And it's like, like I said, you build a community. And I think if you make the most of that, you end up doing the things like we're doing now with people that you admire and inspire you and all of this stuff like having these conversations with you working with you's been great so like when it comes down to it all of the struggles and the sweating and the lack of sleep and everything else you the people you meet and the experiences you gain are just like yeah they, they matter a lot to to your life no that's so right it's often the people you work with that make it for sure yeah and and just the weird observations of people's minds and how people think like musicians and people in the music scene they're a strange breed so yeah it's, it's very very exciting for me now you mentioned the crossovers with art and fashion before and how you studied that tell me a bit about your studies so how you ended up doing that was that always what you wanted to do to start with um well weirdly enough i started um uh doing illustrations i started with art so i would i would if i wanted to explain something I wouldn't explain it I just draw it and then I was kind of at this crossroad between <laughs> chemistry and art weirdly enough a thousand percent I was a great chemist um, and I went the direction of um, textiles and art to kind of balance that um, and then I went into tailoring and uh, found that I really enjoyed the whole conceptualization of drawing literally zero to a fully finished product um and you had to do every single part of it so that really appealed to me that kind of 
ability to learn a skill as well as a dying art. So um, in an essence, yeah, I did want to do it, but I think it was just the start of many things that um, I wanted to learn and wanted to explore and just showed me the type of personality I had more than anything. So you learned a lot about yourself as well. Yeah, you, you like, and also there's things that you, the skills that are in art that lack in other um, disciplines, like um, constructive criticism is rife in art. And you, when you're going through it, you're kind of like, oh, geez, could you like take the knife any deeper? But at the same time, it's so important to, to, to reviewing your own work. Because sometimes I think, oh, I've got a really cool idea or something and I will go crazy with that idea. And then I'll give myself one second to come back to it and literally criticize it and be like, how's this gonna work? How's that gonna do this? And just and th- put it like, that's what I spoke about the whole idea of like ambition and having a point where you're doing it. It's not to limit yourself, it's safe. You can throw out the wildest ideas, but then just analyze that and like look at that and think about how that's going to work is something that I got from doing art from being an artist from being a tailor from doing all of this stuff and also attention to detail you cannot be a tailor if you don't have attention to detail so it's just like yeah all these things I just the more I think about the more we're going through these conversations are so important to forming how my work ethic and how I view my daily tasks well, that sounds like there's so many different skills you learned there. But like you say, how they've transferred into other parts of the industry now you're working is really interesting to hear. Yeah, but I'm glad that it's pulled me to uh, music because I think that's something that I've always, I always loved but never fully explored uh, as much as I wanted to previous years back. So now that I've come in kind of full circle, it's actually really nice for me. So. So when you'd finished your studies and you were kind of going for your first jobs in the industry to get started, how did you do that and what challenges did you face? Oh, okay. So that was actually really hard, but I I decided to start early. So I started actually working in fashion by the time I was like 15, 16. I was already looking for internships. So I was already doing this stuff. I was like, oh, yep, I'm going to work in a magazine. Up, yep, I'm going to work in a a design um, studio. Up, yep, I'm going to work in this. I'm going to work in Topshop. I'm going to work in that. So I I was like, I have to get a head start just because I wanted to get proper experience because like studying is great. But um, there was definitely a lot of challenges in the sense that you felt like you were fighting for roles, um, fighting your own peers to get into places, um, and everything was about a platform to one. Then when they fall off, you're allowed to step on it type of thing. It wasn't the easiest graft. Uh, There was a lot of issues, obviously, in the workplace. I mean, even in being in fashion as a woman, like, or being in any of these industries in music and all of this stuff, you have people second-guessing you all the time. You have people kind of have you get second-guessing yourself as well, which is probably the worst thing. And you have to continually stand your ground or learn to stand your ground and just, and also learn when to leave. I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me was learning when to leave because I very quickly learned when to stand my ground, but that sometimes isn't enough. You have to kind of realize that you have to build, be part of building environments for yourself as well. So there was a lot of prejudice. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of kind of jumping through hoops, which I'm sure everyone has, but it was 
it was difficult to prove that I could do these things, prove that I was there to also learn as well, that there was a sense of humility to it. So it was, it was, uh, it wasn't an easy thing, but I think the more and more I continued to do it, the more resilient I became and the more determined I became and the more open I also became to trying new things and just saying yes and not being like letting people say no to me. And if they did, letting that be the final answer. So start as early as you can. It doesn't define your future, but I think it gives you experiences and it gives you learning. And I think that is what helps you expand for the future. And also listening to you speaking there, I loved what you said about learning when to leave. I think that's probably a really good tip we could all take on board because often we probably stay at companies where, like you said, that person above you isn't off the pedestal yet. So there's nowhere for you to go. You have to either stay in that position or move sideways and then you're not learning or progressing either. So to have that inkling yourself to think, right, I can't better myself here. I must leave. You know, that that's a really brave thing to do, but also good advice. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. I'm not going to lie. Like there's been times where I've been like trying to think I could cling on to something because I've been so invested in it. And it's been such a big part of my transition, especially if you grow very quickly in a company, there's a certain reluctancy to leave when you hit not just a wall, but hit like a, a, massive barrier with no door and you're you've been chiseling a door away and you realize that all you're going to do is regress yourself and I think it's a scary thing to jump to do but that is one of the best things I learned when to be like I have to make this decision to move forward somewhere else myself yeah, that's really good advice. So I appreciate that. Um, so in your career as well, did you ever have a mentor or anyone that uh, inspired you or anyone that helped you along your way? Um, okay, so <laughs> I've always really wanted a mentor. Like, but, like the, the challenge is like, I always really wanted a mentor. No, but I've always really wanted a mentor. Um, not to say that people haven't helped me. I've definitely interacted with people, uh, whether that's been just for a day and the things that they've told me or or shared with me um, have stayed with me from till this point now. And he, like even even like not even me now, like me now, I'll go to a talk, or I'll go to a meeting, and someone in a, in that talk, I don't know who they are, they don't know me, or I know them what they do. They'll say something that's really amazing and will resonate with me. And I have to find a way to contact them. And I literally just did that last week. I was like at a, a virtual seminar and these two people really um, spoke to me. So I went on LinkedIn and dropped them an email and said, hey, oh, by the way, I just saw you. Da, da, da. And they're like, okay, cool, let's talk. And for me, that's like, I'm not going to force them to be my mentor. But sometimes it's nice to have someone that you can just maybe email once in a while. So um I do have to say, I think sometimes you don't have to have a mentor, though I would want to have a permanent one. I think a collection of people that can impart different aspects of knowledge onto you. If you see that person and are able to reach that person, just do it. Like put all ego, all fear aside. They'll either answer you or they won't. So in the end, you've lost nothing. Even like having conversations with you, you may not have even thought of it or considered it, but I'm being serious. Like, just talking to you or having these like moments of like pure candid conversation because that's what it is candid conversation um 
it's a massive growth for me because I suck it all up. I'm just like there, just hoovering everything. So, um, yeah, no, I definitely, so if anyone's out there wants to mentor a, mentor me, <laughs> just see my free advert. <laughs> no, but de- like, de- yeah, just conversations, just have conversations. So yeah, I, I've had semi-mentors, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, you're so right. Because I think when you're working so closely with people, like we work together and other clients, etc., you do build a close-knit team. So you can have those honest conversations and you can really go deep into ideas and brainstorming. So those connections, you know, are really valuable for sure. Yeah, and I've, I've had some like, especially some great women and some great men as well, but predominantly great women who have um, given me a chance or... Um, just taken a moment to have an interaction with me. Some of them haven't. And that's also taught me something as well. But um, like, yeah, those conversations, candid ones, like getting that the nitty gritty, even if it's like, oh God, I have this really crappy idea. I want to hear it. And they hear it and they give you something and they're actually, no, it's not a crappy idea. Or they're actually like, oh, that idea sucks. Go away. Come back when you thought about it. Like all this stuff. That's mentorship to me. That's, that's mentorship. The thing is, when we're all brainstorming, we always say no idea is a bad idea because it could lead to another amazing idea. You've just got to kind of be brave enough to say it and get it out, haven't you? Yeah, you, that's, the, that's the thing as well. Like that, that's what, what I spoke about with candidness. Even when someone says to me, oh, that's pretty shitty. It also drives me to be like, OK, why is it crappy? Um, actually and then I'd be like oh yeah maybe because that aspect's a bit much or that aspect's a bit this but oh actually if I get rid of that and put this and do that it's a really good idea and then I'll come back to them and be like remember that idea you told me was crappy listen to it now and I'm like oh okay that's cool an interesting development and it's just like it's not obviously they're not outright insulting me but they're just pushing me to think a bit more about where I'm going with this think beyond the surface like and that kind of it. yeah, that kind of comes back to the constructive criticism you talked about from your art days as well. Being able to take on board the comments and go, actually, how can I develop it more? How can I progress this and make it better? Yeah, because the re- the, the reality of life is, not everyone is going to give you something constructively. So that also built a tough skin. So there are people that come on, Nikki. You know, there are people going to go, oh, that I know that's a piece of crap or they just straight won't answer you. So like you have to kind of just be like, there's a resilience that these conversations also create for you. So um, yeah, I, I know the reality of getting shot down, but also of using that to kind of fine tune what I'm putting out there. So no, that's good to hear. Um, so is there anyone you'd like to collaborate with on a project in the future maybe? Yeah, so I'm really big. Um, I'm a massive kind of STEAM um, um, advocate, STEM, STEAM. I like to put the art is there, so I don't know why people ignore it. I'm moving moving a lot into the whole gaming. I've got this really interesting kind of, not really interesting, just an exciting thought process about gaming and technology and the intersect between all these brands to kind of solve real current issues and also be actually relevant to people because the demographics so wide, the interaction is so intense. Um, I think it can be used for so many things. And I'm, I'm a gamer as well. I'm a nerd, so whatever. Um, I Not that all gamers are nerds, but anyway. Um, I definitely want to collaborate with it a lot more within the kind of gaming mixed reality um, sector as well, but in a much more meaningful way. I think that's the thing that's missing. So there's a lot of brands that come under that umbrella for me, but I think, 
yeah, I definitely want to collaborate a lot more, connect music and tech and art in this weird game reality. Yeah, but I want to do that for sure. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm looking forward to what you're going to come up with at next year's festival then. Oh gosh, it's already started. I've already started it, Nikki. You don't know. Oh, I already started, I've already started conversations. I've already started thinking about it so next year might even be a bit too far away so fingers crossed good to hear that you've been using this time to come up with some really good ideas mm-hmm. yeah I've got I've got a lot of um, and also there's just so much between what's happening with COVID, Black Lives Matter all of these kind of initiatives and stuff I think um, I've, I've been taking a bit of a, not a step back but a a thought about my actual perspective and my input into all of these things and how I can use what I do or what I'm doing to actually have a meaningful input and because after all this all these hashtags all of this stuff all of the, everything that's happening leaves this is a life this is a continual growth and constant that has to happen and I think you have to be thoughtful about how you can use that application to continue and build on something and I think also the reason that I want to look at these kind of landscapes is they're traditionally not thought of including certain types of people and I'm not trying to subvert that but I'm trying to make people realize that actually this is the foundation of the conversations people are having now the lack of awareness of inclusion the lack of all of these things that have become so standard and hopefully working with these people like actually them having real opinions not just the tokenism of it but real real conversations and dismantling that through these collaborations will move it forward for a sustainable long term rather than just how long you can keep a hashtag going for no that's so true we've all got our part to play and obviously we work uh, a lot with she said so and they've been fighting a lot for obviously women in the music industry and diversity intersectionality but there's a lot more we all need to do yeah, and I think that it's part of this, um, every, every single action has to be, because you'd be surprised at history, you'd be surprised at all of this stuff, so you have to keep pushing forward, you have to keep knocking down those doors, because no one's going to open them for you. And the only thing that I'm hopeful that this thing that movement is doing is maybe opening, leave, making a bit of a gap in the doors, so people don't have to punch their way through, they can maybe put their fingers in and, you know, have a bit of an easier barrier to entry. All of this stuff has to be sustained. So, and, and this kind of leads me quite nicely to your advice to people wanting to get a job in the creative kind of industries or the music industry. So, you know, without having to bash down some doors. So what kind of advice would you give? I would say don't sell yourself short. I think vocalize and verbalize what you are, what you can do, and also look at what you've done. And don't look at it for just what it is. Look at how it applies to what you can offer those people and really sell that because I was very hesitant to do that. I was very like, oh, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, people, your CV's really good. And I'm like, is it? Is it? I'm not sure. Not really. Like, take that out because that martyr idea, that kind of humility is not humility. It's none of that. It's just selling yourself short. And I think if you want something, you're going to have to fight for it. That's like, or I had to fight for it, whatever. But come in 
both willing to show what you have to offer and willing to learn as well. Have a bit of perspective on a scenario, know when to push, know when to not. And that sounds easier said than done, but you'll learn. And the experiences that you have have probably already taught you how to do it anyway. It's just how to apply it um, and go up to the big bad wolf. Because a lot of the time that's what you think it is, but you have to just write that email And if you think it's wrong the first time, write it to yourself and write it again and write it again and write it again until you get to the point of what you're saying. Like, don't think one no or one disappointment or one thought in yourself is like the end of it. People sometimes need to see your worth. They need to understand it. And it's easy to say, leave somewhere that doesn't, but you have to show it as well. You have to take that kind of step um, and be vocal be vocal. People will tell you not to be, but be vocal. You have an opinion and you have a perspective that people want to hear. So give it because if you don't, someone else will, and it'll be their opinion or it could be yours, but just it's worth saying it's worth showing yourself that you can give yourself the chance to do something. Well, I think that's some really great advice, Kalechi. And it's been great talking to you because you've really shown the passion and drive that you've had uh, and that you've never given up and you've got there. So hopefully other people listening will be really inspired by that too. Yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah, a focus. Sometimes you fight, but you realize it's all about focus in the end. Focus on where you want to go, where you want to get to. And that may be just one step at a time, but that one step is worth taking to get to the next. So do it. Thanks so much for joining me today. A wealth of knowledge and experience there. So, uh, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much, Nikki. It was honestly a pleasure to be no, invited. Honestly, and it was so good. Ramble on. You've been listening to Meet Me Backstage. Make sure you subscribe to meet more backstage stars working behind the scenes in the music industry around the world.